and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from the Blue Ridge Mountains in northern Georgia. Yes, taking a break from WOUF Studios, both in Palm City, and I brought you guys on vacation with me. My wife and I took a little time off, and we're up here in the mountains enjoying it. So you guys get to come along with me again. Not the first time I've brought the podcast along on vacation. So if it sounds a little different today, it might we're, you know, out in a cabin in the woods. So I think the woods record differently, you know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we still got a great podcast lined up, so let's talk about it. Today on the podcast, we have Who's the Alpha? Yes, is it you? Is it your dog? Well, we're going to talk about that. And we'll also talk about my thoughts on that word, alpha. Yeah. <laughs> then comes depression in dogs. Now, I've had a few of these kind of cases coming up recently again. So uh, definitely a worthwhile topic to discuss. How do we get our dogs less depressed? We're going to dive into that. Then comes the breed of the week. And this week, there'll actually be no listener Q&A. We're just taking a break from the listener Q&A today. Uh, guys, I'll be honest, last week, I know I missed an episode. So I do have to apologize for that. Uh, you know, sort of bottlenecking the end of tax season for my wife, getting through that, trying to get ready for vacation, get everything with my clients all, you know, all the loose ends tied up. So I do apologize that we didn't get out there last week, but we got the episode this week, don't we? Yes. So we'll get going with today's episode. But before we do, got to give you that trivia question. And today's question is going to be, what is the state mammal of the state of Georgia? Yes, what is the state mammal of the state of Georgia? I will give you the answer to that question somewhere in the podcast. So be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next on Speak a Dogcast, who's the alpha? Who's the alpha in your household, huh? <laughs> Look, if you've listened to my podcast before, you know I don't like the word alpha. I don't like the word dominance. I, I really stray away from those words. And at the end of the day, the reason why is because in the dog world, alpha is going to mean alpha and dominance. They're going to mean something completely different than what we think of alpha and dominance meaning in the human world. Okay. And, you know, look, I'm sure I can, we can probably trace <laughs> the words alpha and dominance and their overuse to a certain trainer who overuses those words <clears throat> too much, in my opinion. And now everybody thinks they're the dog expert because they know the word alpha and dominance. Oh, that dog is a, that dog's an alpha. Oh, that dog's a dog. That one's a beta. Oh, my dog's dominant. I hate those words, guys. <laughs> I really do. Uh, look, it's not to say there isn't an alpha in the dog world because, of course, of course, there has to look. There always has to be a leader, right? There always has to be a leader. And of course, in a pack of dogs, we we all know it. There is a leader. There is an alpha. But, <laughs> like I said, if we don't have the proper definition and understanding of what alpha and dominance mean, then, well, we don't have an understanding. I mean, well, what else can you say? Then it's misunderstood, and it's not the right word. It's just not the right words we need to be using. So, look, let's, let's, just, let's, let's get into it here. If I asked 10 different strangers on the road, right? I just walked down the street, and I found 10 different strangers, and I said, hey, when it comes to dogs, what do you think? Like, what does dominance mean? What does alpha mean? What do the words dominance and alpha mean to you, right? And ask 10 different people. And what do you think the answers I'm going to get? What, what do you think they're going to be? 
Because I can tell you what they're not going to be, the same answer every time. <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it's not going to be. I'm not going to ask 10 different people, what does dominance and alpha mean to them? And I'm not even going to get remotely close to the same answer. And that right there is the problem. Because the human beings, dominance and alpha mean, look at how big and bad I am, and I'm angry, and let me control you, and physically control you, and I'm, I'm big and strong, and, and that's not... It's just not what alpha and dominance mean in the dog world. It's just not. It's not to say there isn't physicality to an alpha in the dog world. It's not to say that. But more often than not, when, when I do encounter people using these words, they don't, have the, they don't have the right definition for it. They don't use it correctly. They don't have an understanding of what it truly means to be an alpha or a dominant one in a pack of dogs. And so because of that, I don't use these words. I don't. When I'm training with my clients, alpha, dominance, that's the last thing we, we, we ever talk about. <laughs> no, it's not that we ever talk about. Uh, it's, the, it's the last words I'll ever use. I can't stand it. I can't stand those words. And like I said, at the end of the day, it's really just because they're misunderstood, right? Look, in the dog world, we know it. There is a hierarchy, Right? They're, they're a little more military-style thinking, and they're more built in that hierarchy in that, hey, there is one dog in charge or one person in charge in the pack of dogs. A person can be in charge of a pack of dogs, right? And then everybody else follows. We know that. We, we all talk about it. We know it. And that's true. That is true. But a dog should not be an alpha of a human being ever, ever. Okay, it's not healthy and it's not stable. So that's the first, look, I, I just had just recently, a couple weeks back, um, I had a consultation with somebody and I, I'm off the top of my head, I've had, I had a lot of consultations recently, so it's like getting them all straight and who's who. Um, and a few, quite a few similar cases going on right now too, interestingly enough. Um, but we had this one dog where, I don't remember the behavior it was specifically doing, basically did this one thing and I said, hey, like, What's that about? And they say, oh, he does that. Like that's he's he's dominant. He's a dominant. He's an alpha. He's an alpha. So you know, he does that. And I'm like, huh? No, that's he he doesn't have to do that. And as a matter of fact, that's a and the dog has anxiety issues. That's a displacement of control and an in, 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 in an attempt to overcompensate to gain control to create stability in your dog's life. The problem is he's doing it in overcompensation in an overcompensating way which means he doesn't truly feel like he has stability. And so therefore he's trying to overcompensate to gain that stability, right? So that's the thing is we, we, we look at behavior in dogs and we see these quote dominance and alpha behaviors and we think they're normal, right? And to some degree, it's correct. <laughs> <laughs> to some degree, because here's the thing, it's not alpha and dominant behavior that's normal, it's com com uh, competitive, predatorial behavior, competitiveness that is normal, that's possessiveness, that's, right? The thing is, the difference is, the difference is, when a dog starts to take it to a level of what people interpret as an alpha, as a dominant dog, no, the dog is taking it to a level where no one has ever told them, hey, stop being an <laughs> No other way to put it, right? And so the dog thinks, oh, this got me something. I'm going to keep on doing it. Ank. 
Before you know it, your dog is possessive, and then the person's going, oh, yeah, he's dominant. That's okay. He's, we let him do that. So, you know. Huh? <laughs> you see the problem here, guys? When we use terms incorrectly, when we have a misunderstanding of what dominance and alpha mean in the dog world, they take on a totally wrong definition, and then the behaviors take on, you know, we take on these bad, undesired behaviors, nasty behavior, and things get out of control real fast, don't they? All because we don't understand what dominance and alpha mean in the dog world. Like when I walk into a consultation the first time and I start working with the dog, thank goodness, because I'm good at what I do, thank goodness, more often than not, I hear, wow, I've never seen the dog do that before. I've never seen him so focused. I can never get my dog to listen to me. How did you get him to listen like that? And we're talking to guys, I've met this dog one time and in 30 minutes I've got, you know, got this dog listening. Paying attention, wanting to listen to me, not just listening to me. I'm not making him. It's the dog actually wanting to pay attention. Now, do you think I'm doing that by dominating the dog and being the alpha over him? You think that's going to get me a good response? Now, in the dog world, I am being an alpha. Through a dog definition of what alpha and dominance mean, I am being alpha. I am being dominant. But I'm not doing anything mean. I'm not doing anything physical. I'm not doing anything horrible at all. The only difference between what I do and what the average person does when they walk in is I communicate with the dog differently. That's it. I choose to reinforce desired behaviors that I'm looking for and punish, even if it's sometimes just by not acknowledging it, still punishment. Go back and listen to all the definitions, previous podcast guys. Uh, <laughs> you know? That's all I do differently, guys. I communicate with the dogs differently in a way that they understand. So I know in the dog world, an alpha, a dominant one, a leader to, to a dog is someone who is cool, who is calm, who is collected, and who is confident. So if I immediately walk into this house and bend down on my knees and go, blah, 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 my goodness, blah, blah, doggy, blah, I'm not giving off any kind of leadership quality to that dog, am I? I'm completely surrendering myself to them is what's happening. That's not what leaders do, guys. I'm sorry, but when you walk in a room, uh, let's say, I mean, let's just go back to high school, right? I mean, who wants to go back to high school? Let's, <laughs> let's go back to high school, student council, you're running for president. Do you go around shaking everybody's hand and introducing yourself? Or do you cower on the floor and go, oh, 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 Because that's what you do when you introduce yourself to a dog like that. A dog you don't know. It's one thing if you know the dog. You have a relationship. That's one thing. But people, for some reason, we think when we meet a dog we don't know, we should immediately just start talking like this to them and get on the floor. and No, that's wrong, guys. That's incorrect. And that's why people get crappy responses from the dogs. Because we don't even understand how dogs view the world anymore. We don't even understand their perspective. We think we do. That's what arrogant beings we are. Think we know everything. <laughs> okay? The reality is, the reason I get a different result is because I act like what a true 
alpha is in the dog world. I, like, I hate even saying that word. You notice I can't even say that word like with a straight face. I have to put a to it. <laughs> it like hurts my insides to say it. Oh, geez. It's funny. No, but it's true. It's so true, guys. It, it makes me nuts. Like it goes back. I just said this example, I think uh, uh, maybe on the last podcast episode. I'm not even sure. But I said the example. I've had people actually tell me this. I'm not even joking. I'll bring a dog back from a boot camp, right? I've had the dog for a couple weeks. I bring the dog back from a boot camp and the dog is just awesome, right? It's listening. It's being phenomenal. It's being so good, intent, you know, attentive to me. And of course, I'm using a lot of treats to start with, you know, bring it back. We're coming back home for the first time. Got to use a lot of uh, reinforcement to reinforce those behaviors. And I kid you not, and I've had this happen more than once where it's usually, it's the husband. It's usually not the wife. <laughs> it's usually the husband who says to me, ah, the dog's just listening to you because you have food. And I'll tell them, I'll be like, you seriously think I just bribed your dog for three weeks? Why did you even bother hiring me if all it took was shoving treats down your dog's throat? <laughs> it's more than that. It's more than that. It's the boundaries and discipline side of it too. Sure, there's discipline, absolutely. You bet your butt I have rules and structure in my household with my dogs, right? But I'm not dominating them. I'm not showing them how big I'm, I'm not walking around with my chest puffed out all the time. No, I have to form a relationship with them, guys. These dogs need to want to work with me and I want to work with them. It's got to be this back and forth balance of relationship. Sure, there are rules. Sure, there's discipline. But I'm not walking around like I'm this bad alpha who's just dominating everybody. No, no. You know, I mean, come on, get real. Um, (laughs) So, you know, you've got to think of this word alpha not from a human standpoint, not from a human perspective, but from a dog perspective. And I got news for you guys. That means changing your perspective, thinking about things differently than you have before. Dogs are wired differently than us. They think differently than us. They feel differently than us. They interpret the world around them differently than we do. Their social structures are different than ours. Similar. And that's why we get along with them, right? Humans are pack animals. We need people. We, if, if Again, if anything this last few years have taught us, we need interaction. We need touch. We need people, right? Look, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, anybody who's ever taken the Myers-Briggs personality test, I don't remember my exact ENFP, J, whatever. All I can tell you is I am an extrovert, right? I'm an extrovert. I am. Um, I, I through and through for sure. <laughs> I have my introverted qualities, but I am an extrovert when it comes down to it. Uh, the other thing is I'm a feeler. I'm not a thinker. I get my energy from people, right? I do. I get my energy from people. So I, I, I like being around my pack. Um, so I'm sure certain people tick me off, but Hey, who doesn't? <laughs> Everybody has that. Uh, so, you know, it, it's one of these things where I understand what I am and I have to understand what the dogs are. So again, if they're a pack animal, they need to be around their pack. If they're wired in a hierarchy, which they are more so than we are, we have to understand how that hierarchy works. What what qualities do they look for in a leader? And how can you, how can you resemble those qualities? It always starts, guys, it always comes back to being calm, cool, and collected. That's what dogs look for in a leader. And the confidence. Don't forget about the confidence. Nobody wants to listen to an unsure leader, (laughs) including your dogs. So if you want your dogs to not be possessive over things, if you want your dogs to not have separation anxiety, you need to be a source of confidence to your dog and be a leader, 
not an alpha, not a dominator. You need to be a leader to your pack, a leader to your dog, a leader to your kids if you have them, a leader to your community, a leader at work. Think about how that stuff works within our social structure and then how that can apply to dog social social structure, obviously catered to how dogs are wired, um, but it, it all works the same way, again, especially because we are pack animals too, right? So guys, I, I really want you to take away from today, what I really want you to take away from this segment is stop using the word alpha, stop using the word dominance, and let's look at it more as their attempt to create stability through control mechanisms, because that, at the end of the day, is what, what we see and what we think we see as dominance and alpha, in reality, is a displacement to create control. And maybe it's not always the healthiest displacement. Maybe you shouldn't be letting your dogs displace in a quote-unquote dominant way, right? So that's what I want you to take away from today. Start thinking about these words like dominance and alpha differently, and maybe stop using them so much. <laughs> Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website www.thenatureoftraining.com or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Speak a Dogcast, depression in dogs. A little bit more of a serious topic, I know, uh, but we've got to talk about depression in dogs, you know? Can dogs be depressed? Yes. Yes, they can, definitely. I've seen it quite a few times, um, and it's sad, you know? We don't want to see our dogs be depressed. And a lot of times when I do see depressed dogs, it's, it's you know, most of the time, should I say, it's rescue dogs that come to them with some baggage. And, you know, look, we've talked about rescue dogs before and that, of course, we want to do what's best for them. But a lot of times when we get rescue dogs, we maybe feel bad for them. And I, I get it, right? They come from God only knows what circumstances. Sometimes we do know the circumstances, and that almost makes it worse knowing, I feel like, you know? It's, it's hard for us as the humans to let go of that baggage, the dogs let go of it pretty damn easily if you show them how. Uh, they really do. The humans, on the other hand, we really hang on to it, you know? And it's it's not okay because it's not going to help anything or anyone. And it's not going to help the dog hanging on to that emotional baggage that we have. So the first thing you got to know, guys, is when you do get a rescue dog, if you do feel like they have some depression, the first thing you need to do is not cater to that depression, right? If your dog doesn't want to get up, the worst thing you can do is not make them get up, you know? 
dogs that have depression honestly need a bit of tough love. And so look, I'm not saying be mean. It's not what I'm saying. Um, but when they do come into your care, you need to make sure that you're not reinforcing any of that depressed or anxious behavior. A little side note real quick. I've talked about anxiety and I use that word a lot. Uh, anxiety is a blanket term, as I've said before. It really is. It's a kind of a generalized blanket term. When you think about it, um, excitement, right? Excitement can be anxiety. Sadness can be anxiety. Depression can be anxiety. Fear can be ex- So anxiety really kind of covers uh, a variety of words, a variety of things. And, and it's true when you think about it because it's a heightened state. It's that heightened anxious state. We do, we have the same responses in our brain. You know, it's fascinating. Uh, They've done studies where like being surprised, right? If you have a surprise party and having that jolt, having that be surprised, triggers the same responses in our brain as fight and flight mechanisms, as being scared with fear. It's the same uh, fear response is the same as that overexcited response. So you can kind of see how a generalized term like anxiety covers all of that because it's true. It's an anxious, heightened state. So depression can be the same thing. It's the opposite end of that heightened state. It's a heightened state of sadness, of loneliness. And the thing with dogs and depression, humans too, um, they get very stuck in a cycle, right? We, We do the same thing. They get stuck in this cycle of depression and can't get out of it. And it's almost worse for a dog. Because at the end of the day, dogs really, they, they go through life like this, guys. It's true. They, they think like this. They go, hey, does this behavior I just did work for me and keep me alive and keep me getting food? Cool. I'm going to keep on doing that tomorrow. The thing with dogs is, in human beings, sometimes the behavior, the, the thing that they get out of it isn't healthy. But the dog goes, well, I'm still here. (laughs) It's still getting me something, so I'm going to keep doing it, even though it's unhealthy. And I find more often than not, that's what ends up happening with dogs, rescue dogs that are depressed. Because in their mind, in their brain, this depressed state, this cycle, this vicious cycle they're in, has worked for them to some degree. And therefore, because it's worked for them, they want to keep repeating that behavior because that's how behavior works and that's how reinforcement works, right? If a behavior stays the same or increases, it's being reinforced by definition, whether it's a healthy or desired behavior or not. So if your dog continues to be depressed, then whether you're actively doing something or not, they're getting reinforced for that behavior. And again, sometimes just practicing that depression and in a cycle and letting that dog feel like it works for them, keeps them alive, it keeps them safe, then they're going to keep doing it. And so that's when I go, you know, going back to a couple minutes ago when we first started, that's the first thing I said is, look, whether rescue dog or not, if you have a dog with depression, the worst thing you can do is cater to it, is let them continue being depressed. Let them continue practicing that behavior and therefore letting the behavior get reinforced and strengthened. You can actually strengthen depressed depression. You heard me correctly. Yeah. It's just a behavior like any other behavior, guys. It's maybe a little more on the extreme end of one of the end of the spectrum, but it can be reinforced and strengthened just like any other behavior in this world. So, therefore, if Fluffy is depressed and Fluffy doesn't want to get out of her crate this morning and you let Fluffy do that, you just contributed to Fluffy's depression. You just reinforced and strengthened Fluffy's depression. Okay? Look, it's no different in the human world. Again, guys, everybody's been there. Everybody, I don't care what anybody says. 
Everybody has felt depression to some degree in their life at one time or another, whether it was because of, of a tragic event in their life, losing a family member or spouse, or, or maybe just because, you know? Depression's a tough thing, but what I can tell you is the best way to get past it is to get out there and do something different than you did yesterday. Because it's a cycle. Depression is a vicious cycle. It is. It's a vicious cycle. And sometimes you don't even realize you're in that cycle. And so sometimes just changing one behavior the next day, the tomorrow, doing something different tomorrow than what you did yesterday can help break that cycle and maybe even just let you see it. And it's no different for your dog. Okay, look, I implore all of you, if you're having, um, if you feel sad, if you feel depressed, reach out to somebody and do something about it. Because staying in the cycle, it's not going to help, is it? It's just going to continue. And it's no different for your dog, you know? Um, so sometimes it takes a little tough love, maybe with yourself, maybe with your dog, but you got to do something different. So that's the first thing. If your dog doesn't want to get up, you leash him up and make them in a very nice way, but make them do it. Use food, use treats. Look, I'm not one for bribing, but if your dog is depressed and they don't know what my expectations are otherwise, then yeah, sometimes maybe a treat is what it takes to get them out of bed. And then we can create a new cycle. And then we can take the treats away eventually. Uh, but we're not getting into shaping and all that stuff today, right? Um, but that's really what it takes, guys, is changing that cycle, making that one difference, not letting them stay in bed, leashing them up and making them get up, okay? But the other, the, the, real, the real big thing, the number one thing that's going to solve depression for your dog, and I cannot stress this enough, exercise, structure, and rules, then the affection afterward. But exercise is one of those things where, look, it, it's great for us when we're, when we're uh, feeling depressed. It's wonderful for us when we're feeling. There's been how many studies on it, guys, at the endorphins and blah, 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 blah. We're not going into that technical babble today. It's pretty simple, though. We can keep it basic today. Get up and exercise your dog, and I can guarantee you, can guarantee you with enough consistent exercise, your dog will be happier because they're getting the mental and physical stimulation that they need, you know? Now, another thing with solving depression with dogs um, is getting them around other happy and, more importantly, <laughs> stable, mentally stable dogs. When I do have dogs that uh, have depression, my, my preference, look, when I come across clients that have dogs that have depression, my preference is to take that dog for a boot camp for the simple fact that I want to take that dog and I want to immerse it in a pack of dogs that's healthy, that's happy, that wants to play, that wants to exercise, that knows how to do a good pack walk, that knows structure, knows rules, knows boundaries. It's amazing what getting a depressed dog around a pack of healthy dogs can do for them. It really, it's incredible stuff because at the end of the day, I can practice dog training and dog behavior and do research and reading and, and, and know this stuff top to bottom. I really, I can, right? Yeah, practice, practice, practice. Anybody can. But I will never be a dog, will I? <laughs> I will never speak the language the same way that they do. And the cool thing is when you, when you have a depressed dog, the cool thing about it is once you get them into this pack of dogs, there tends to be one dog that they'll, they'll find and they'll, they'll, they'll hook up with, right? And they'll be buddies with. And you see how that dog is a part of the process in bringing them out of their shell. And it's, it's neat, you know? 
Um, so I implore you, not only the exercise side of it, but getting your dog around other happy, stable dogs, right? Gonna make a huge difference. But let's go, you know, and I realized, let's go back to the exercise a second, guys, because it's all about the, it's all about the walk, isn't it? A proper walk. It's not just playtime with a ball, which don't get me wrong, playtime's awesome for a dog that's feeling depressed. If you can get them playing, find toys they love, get them engaged, get them excited about something, that goes a long way too. But the walk, I can't stress it enough with every segment I do, right? It always comes back to the walk. It's all about how we do the walk, a proper walk. Walks are 85% mental, 15% physical. Now we're talking about depression, aren't we? Mental. So if a walk is 85% mentally fulfilling, imagine how that walk can change your dog's life if they're feeling depressed. Now, if you guys don't know how to do the walk, definitely go back, guys. Peruse through my podcast. Check out my other segments. There's all kinds of great segments in there uh, about how to properly walk your dog and get uh, get your pack walk under control. So there is a right and wrong way to do it. Make sure you're doing it that right way. But I, I can't stress it enough, guys. The walk is what solves most every single issue when it comes to dog training. Seriously. Most, not all, but most, it really is the cure-all when it comes to dog training. So if you've got a dog suffering from depression, okay, let's, let's just run through it, guys. The worst thing you can do is cater to their depression. Coddle them. They need tough love. They need to learn to gain confidence, okay? And you, as the owner, as their leader, need to be a source of confidence to your dog. And unfortunately, guys, calling, going, it's okay, no, 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 that's a source of weakness to your dog that in a nice way, but it's true. Um, Be a source of confidence to your dog. Give them tough love. Go for good walks. Get good quality playtime in. That's where it's going to start to bring your dog out of their depressed state. Now, you also want to get your dog around healthy dogs, mentally healthy dogs, uh, stable dogs, letting them interact with the pack so they can help bring their confidence out too. Now, another great way, one more thing we want to do with depressed dogs, let them experience the world, guys. If all you ever do is walk around your neighborhood and that's it, that's, you know, that's all you do, it's not enough. Get your dog out into the world. Go downtown or something. You know, Find some great hiking trails. There's all different ways. Take your dog out to lunch. Uh, believe it or not, just go for car rides even when you run errands so long as you can do it safely. Of course, guys, don't forget, we don't want to leave our dogs in a hot vehicle. Uh, make sure you can do that in a safe way. There are great cars out there that you can keep running with the AC going, as we know we've talked about before. Um, So if you are going to bring your dog out, just be safe. Got to put that in there. But really, get your dog out into the world. Let them experience the world around them. And more importantly, what it does is it changes that vicious cycle, that vicious routine of depression. By changing up their day, by letting them see something new, creating more stimulation, it really helps alleviate that depression. Um, So look, guys, whether your dog's feeling depression or one thing we hadn't talked about, um, if you're feeling depressed and you feel like your dog is depressed, it might be because of your depression. So I implore you, please do something about it. Reach out to a professional, reach out to a friend um, and, and do something about it. Do something different tomorrow than what you did today. Just one thing. And it really can make a huge difference for yourself and your dog. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's our Breed of the Week. This week's Breed of the Week is the Affin Pincher. The Affin Pincher is a member of the toy group, and they come in weighing from 7 to 10 pounds. 
The Affenpencher is a loyal, confident, and amusing little breed. Their looks have been described in many ways. They've earned the nickname as Monkey Dog, Ape Dog, or as the French referred to them, Diabluton Moustachou, or Mustache Little Devil Dog. Star Wars fans will have an argument whether they resemble a Wookiee or an Ewok. Yes, either way, they're a wiry-haired little cutie. They're a sturdy little breed that approach the world with confidence and sureness. They're also an affectionate dog and loyal to their families and owners. The Affin Pincher might be a small dog, but they do have a bit of energy that needs to be satisfied with good playtime and a brisk daily walk. Affin Pinchers are generally healthy, but owners should keep an eye out for luxating patellas. Being that they are also a brachycephalic dog, owners should also be cautious in hot weather. Kept in good health, they can live to be 12 to 15 years old. The origin of the Affin Pincher dates back to at least the 15 or 1600s. Written record of the breed only dates back to the 19th century. However, Dutch paintings portray a wiry-haired, small terrier-looking dog dating back to at least the early 1600s. The breed was developed in Germany with the name Affenpinscher translating to monkey dog or ape dog. The original job of the Affenpinscher was to rid barns of rats and mice. Eventually, they made their way into the kitchen, taking care of the kitchen mice. Now at night, they would actually find themselves being welcomed into the bed of the lady of the house to keep them warm. The Affen is thought to have influenced later Europe, uh, European breeds such as the Brussels Griffin and the Miniature Schnauzer. The breed took on popularity in France and Germany in the late 1800s with clubs devoted to the breed springing up all over. Now, The Berlin Lapdog Club began to formulate the breed standard in 1902, but it was not completed until 1913. The Affen Pincher made its way to the U.S. in the early 1900s, being admitted to the AKC in 1936. The breed is still rare in the U.S., but they were given a small spotlight in 2013 when an Affen named Banana Joe won Westminster Kennel Club's Best in Show. The answer to today's trivia question, what is the state mammal of the state of Georgia? It's the white-tailed deer. Yes, the white-tailed deer is the smallest of the North American deer family. However, there is thought to be over 1.2 million deer in the state of Georgia alone. That'll wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked subscribe or follow, go ahead and do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday morning. You can follow me on Instagram at speakadogcast. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget, get out there and walk your dog. Oh, 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 oh